Hi, I'm Ido Kitch. On the day we're recording this, uh, Judy Tenuta passed away. She was a regular in queer media and extremely supportive of LGBTQIA rights. Thank you for everything you've given. Thank you for everything you've given us and rest in power. Now for an awkward and jarring shift in tone. This. They, they may say the only thing to fear is fear itself, but that person most likely has never been audited or been cursed to be gay. I'm Nato Kitch, and tonight on the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association, we look at the Philippine horror series that almost was Remington and the Zombatings. Zombatings? Zombatings. Zombatings is how I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I pronounced. thought it was Zombatings. It's, that's more fun to say. We'll go with that. I think everyone agrees that being cursed sucks. That's why most people listen to this podcast. Luckily for the slim margin of people who have been cursed to be gay and listen to this podcast, I'm joined by two professionals who all coincidentally started side hustles to help people break that specific curse. First up, she's got friends on the other side. It's Amelia. How's it going, everyone? My name is Amelia, and let me tell you, boy, do I have a great curse cleaner just for you. And today, only for the ultra-low, low price of six payments of $29.99, you too could be curse-free as easy as ABC or 123, with just one application of Madam Ace's Salvation Absolving Curse Salve right <laughs> over your heart while you're wearing American flag boxers and burping the national anthem. Side effects may include speaking in tongues and extreme bouts of euphoria, followed by bright flashing lights. Some users may experience night sweats, dizziness, and occasional demonic possession. For more information, follow me at the Various Navigator on Instagram. <laughs> I think I just blanked out. Is this QVC? Um, next up, they know more about cursing than Joe Biden on live mic. It's Crythe. Hello, and welcome to Crythe's Curse-Breaking Crematorium. And yes, that is spelled with all Ks, because... In order to break your curse, we must break white supremacy and cleanse a clansman from this world. That's right! Come on over to Christ's curse-breaking crematorium with the clansmen, and we will cleanse you of any curse that has been placed upon you. And we spell it with all K's, because that way... We can trap a few clansmen ourselves if any desperate, cursed individual comes along and doesn't have a clansman in stow for us to cremate for them. We have our own pen of clansmen ready to cremate so that we can cleanse you of your curse. That's right. Christ's curse-breaking crematorium. And you can find us at Embineer on TikTok I, think I that's love right we both from... went the fucking infomercial like <laughs> route in <laughs> Remington and the Curse of the Zomb- Zombadings is a movie about a young boy who goes around yelling homo at people, only to be cursed with- to grow into one. And when that curse starts to come true, they must find a way with the help of their friends to break the curse so he can be in love with the rich girl who just moved down the street. If that sounds like a fun time, go check it out, because we're about zombie getting into the spoiler boat tutu. Um, so, I asked this like I haven't read most of the notes, but what did y'all think of this movie? Amelia? I, <laughs> I liked it, but I think also that it comes from a very cultural context, so I don't know if I can, like, 
I think some interesting points were brought up in the notes about like the curse and being gay, but I thought it came from a different like cultural perspective. Um, so I actually liked it. I thought it was it was silly. It was goofy. It was it was an interesting premise. Well, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie, you're really watching it. Like, <laughs> what do you think, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know whether I feel comfortable speaking on whether or not I liked it. Um, Just because I feel like I don't understand fully, like, the cultural context of the Philippines to be able to talk about it in an educated way. But I know I was uncomfortable for a lot of it, but then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, this is so sweet. So, I don't know. I'm glad you brought that up, because we should mention that most of us are not fully versed in the culture of the Philippines, so most of our observations will be based around this this film and our own selected knowledge, as it uh, is with most foreign films on this podcast. So most of our opinions are going to be based solely on our, our opinions. Um, <laughs> Being white-passing <laughs> Americans? No comment. So we only have a small group of characters. So I can, so I only chose a few to discuss. So let's start with the person that has the biggest character arc in this movie, Mimi. The the, the other cop. Mm-hmm. I think Mimi is putting aside the cop thing i think maybe is a great character because yeah she she's as over oh, the top yeah. as i assumed most of the acting would be in this movie um and there's characters like georgia who also like kind of like big when it comes to personality but i think mimi kind of shines because like it's just so camp yeah i agree with that I loved Mimi Mimi's, was really fun. Yeah, I loved Mimi's shaved head and like one giant fucking earring. <laughs> yes, have orgies, stay inside. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, stay inside. Have orgies instead. <laughs> so next, up, let's talk about the parents, which I find kind of refreshing that their roles. Are as we kind of know in media, we're kind of reversed. Uh, like the mom is a cop, but like usually the mother is, you know, not doesn't have like as big of an authority as the father in a lot of the films we watch. So I really like that sort of like switch in mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah, and like the dad is the one who comes in like two thirds of the way through for the emotional conversation with. You know, the, our main character, Remington, and it's just like, I have something to say, and you know, all of the humor of all of that. But, like, the connection point really is, like, the emotional parent is the father, and the rural parent is the mother, which is so different. From America, at least. I feel like all of her statements are going to be from America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I, I know, like, the Philippines is a little more traditional as far as, like, their gender roles, but I also don't know, like, what those traditional gender roles look like for there. Because I can't speak to the Philippines, obviously, but I can speak to the, uh, to, like, Barawai, right? And, um, 
And I just say that because, like, there it is very traditional gender roles, but, like, what those gender roles look like traditionally don't necessarily, like, fit into, like, the perspective, like, into the the boxes of, like, traditional American gender roles. Does that make sense? So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it is kind of, like, a traditional gender role that, like, the mom would fit more into that and the dad would be kind of, like, the goofy emotional one. Because that might be the case in the Philippines. I don't know. <laughs> I do know there is, like, a law protecting um, LGBTQIA persons from hate crimes um which include which includes uh transgender cross-dressers gay bi lesbian plus individuals uh i think there's only one place that had like a law against people cross-dressing and that got like kind of like removed when like the overall law got passed Nice. But that was I mean, passed after this movie was released. Okay. Mm. But um, there's also been in the Philippines an overall like 70 plus, 60 plus around the time of this movie, like acceptance of queer individuals, uh, you know, as being accepted for who they are. Um, mm-hmm. So it is one of the mo- more accepting places and one of the most queer-friendly places people choose to visit, like, on vacation. Interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, it's... it's, it's <laughs> I don't want to go there. Um, the, the end note <laughs> at the b- end of the movie when they're talking about, like, the pre-colonial acceptance of queer people sounded like, you know, a lot of positive representation of... We like, you know, queers and all of that. They are sacred in our culture. So it makes sense that they went, but, like, I still feel like a colonizer saying that, so I don't know. Uh, Segway. Hannah is a fake love interest who is mostly just the privileged, (laughs) beautiful girl, has a surprisingly (laughs) Elmira streak as she misunderstands language and falls in love with Remington. Tell me about Hannah. Others more interesting than she is? I mean, her name is Palindrome. <laughs> yeah. I love... Just, uh, go go on, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to no, say just... I love the mom because you said the mom is more interesting and I was like, yeah, I love the mom. <laughs> yeah. Like, every scene the mom is in, she steals the scene. Like, it's so good. <laughs> and Hannah's just like, boring i love I the feel scene like Anna, so i haven't seen i haven't seen a lot of filipino movies i want to say that but i do know that a lot of like filipino like movies and like uh soap operas and stuff like that which is kind of i looked into the director and writer and that's his background is he used to write um for some filipino like uh soap operas Um, And I do know that's kind of a trope. Like, a lot of the time, like, the main girl in, like, a Korean drama or a Japanese drama or, like, whatever will be, like, kind of very basic and just, like, very conventionally attractive but, like, doesn't really have a lot going on. And everyone around her is kind of more interesting. So I felt, in a way, like, Hannah was kind of, like, a satire of that. Yeah, because she does have, like, some really kind of like breaking moments that like breaks yeah. out of that like when uh Ramin kind of is like 
see a girlfriend and she goes, I'm a girlfriend so yeah. soon. You know. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, that moment was probably one of the best moments for her in the movie. And there's a few <laughs> others. There's a, there are like a few others. But One of my initial impressions is I thought that his dad was going to be the killer. Me too. I thought the mayor was the killer. Really? That first... The first reveal of the mayor in, like, the uh, salon, uh, where you don't see the face, like, the body shape, and especially the shirt that the killer killer is wearing is the same shirt that the mayor was wearing in the scene before. But then, of course, we learned that it's a completely different person. But I thought for a second there that it was the mayor. And Obviously, I was completely wrong. Speaking of wrong, Amelia, I am an uncultured swine who waits until the day before they need a dress shirt to do the laundry. Uh, Tell me a little bit about language. Mm. All right, so for those of you that don't know, my degree is in linguistics, right? Um. So something I kind of noticed uh, right before the bathroom scene and kind of throughout the movie, like in the beginning, it's a lot less. But towards the end of the movie, it gets to be like pretty consistent. They have like these subtitles, right, that are in English and then in Pinoy, like in uh, Tagalog. And um, the so I looked it out because I was like, that's interesting. I wonder if it's like, uh, you know, how in like the U.S. you have kind of like a stereotype of how gay people speak, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder if that's what it is. Um, so I looked it up and like legitimately in, I guess, in the Philippines, there is it's not like a stereotype. It's like specifically an argot that um, is spoken by the LGBTQ community in the Philippines. Um, and so the difference between an argot and a slang essentially is kind of like nuanced, but it basically ties down to like an argot specifically shows your membership within the in-group, right? So whereas the slang is a little bit more widespread um, and has to do a lot more with, like, something that is kind of, like, ubiquitous or a little bit more ubiquitous throughout, throughout a culture, and Argot uh, specifically uh, originally was tied to class, but, like, you know, language evolves, and, like, it, it's more tied to, like, in-group versus out-group now. Um, and so... I guess in the Philippines, uh, there is an argot that is specific to the gay community there, or the queer community there, and it's called uh, sword speak. And so that's kind of like what was happening, like that he, uh, Remington was switching over into like this um, sword speak as he became more and more gay. <laughs> you could um, say Remington was code switching. He was, he was absolutely, but like, but like, yeah, he was switching into like this different idiolect. I thought that scene, once I read that and then that right after I read all that, the bathroom scene happened and that scene was so interesting because he's literally like sitting there looking around and he's like saying the words for like sink and towel and stuff like that. Um, And then switching over and he goes back in the bathroom and all of a sudden he's like speaking in like sword speak. Um, mm-hmm. which is a mixture of French and English and Spanish and all sorts of, like, different, like, local languages. 
Yeah, no, it's really cool. And when you talked about that earlier in the chat, what I thought about was, like, in Britain, back, you know, in the early 20th century, they had their own version of this called Polari that Mm -hmm. got really famous and all of that. And, like, but we lost that as uh, gay culture got more mainstream. But, like, it was very, very similar back in the early 20th century as a uh, coded, almost completely separate language for gay people to speak in. Do you think it's plausible, then, that Hannah really didn't understand, like, some of the terms that he was using and, misunder- and like, sort of misinterpreted them? Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. 100%, yeah. Well, because um, there's also that part, right, when he goes to Georgia's apartment or house or whatever, and Georgia oh, yeah, is speaking where... to him... Mm-hmm. In like and the same like, language, yeah. And you're he's the like, only one who understands me. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's totally plausible. Mm-hmm. And then Hannah just maybe didn't like legitimately. It was just like, yeah, you call me girlfriend. Of course, that means I'm your girlfriend, as opposed to like you know the colloquial meaning of girlfriend. <laughs> and it should also be mentioned that Remington starts wearing George's clothes, um. Mm-hmm. So he's. Appropriating someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I felt like that scene was also showing like his body shape literally was changed. Like he was made skinnier by the curse and turned from like a straight hunk into a gay twink. Yeah, they had like <laughs> him were like over over uh or bigger like shirts to be like a, a smaller body type but he also like disapproved of the shirts like kind of mm-hmm. like but like it's the same like the shirts were the same styles they showed him wearing shirts in the same style before but they were suddenly too big for him whether they just got like double xls for that scene or whatever but yeah speaking of too big for him uh jigs is Rumi Tang's best friend. Let's be honest, uh, Jiggs is the real love interest in this movie and kind of down for <laughs> sex with anyone, including his best friend. How did you like Jiggs as sort of like uh, the best friend character, but also accidental love interest? I thought it was cute. And then... I don't know. I don't know how I feel like the final bit of like the romance where Jigs is like I slept with every one of these people right before they got killed and I'm like it's really sweet how you're like I don't want you to die too but also I wanted them to get together. I honestly like kind of liked it felt like the romance part was an afterthought. Like they yeah. wrote the whole movie and then they were like, wait, shit, we need like an actual romantic interest. Uh, you know what? He, he's into his best friend. Okay, yeah, that's what we're going to do. He's into his best friend. His best friend has been sleeping with all these people. All right, cool. We got it. There we go. That's a wrap. Like, let's. <laughs> it did kind of feel like that. Like they threw that scene in after they had finished everything else. I will say, though. 
uh, James is actually framed, as far as like interest sexually, uh, for Remington, is framed a lot different than Hannah. There's a lot more dreamy aspect to him, and there's a lot more communication of attraction. The scene where Jiggs is coming out of the shower after spending the night in the same bed with Remington, and Remington is just like, oh, oh, he's sexy. Like, that is framed so much more, like, found chicka wow wow than any scene with Hannah. Which is why I say, you know, he's the real love interest. Yeah. Because <laughs> he actually hits uh, that I think, I think the way the male love interest is filmed is just very indicative that I couldn't find a lot about the director and writer of this, but uh, th- there's no way <laughs> he's, like, this is written by a straight person. <laughs> oh, no. Not at all. Like, the straight <laughs> romance is so awkward and, like... <laughs> They don't know how to handle it, but, like, the gay romance, right. they're all for it. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to Remington, who goes from a very, very stereotypical straight guy to a very stereotypical gay guy, and then back. Uh, how did he do as a protagonist? The actor was really good. I liked the way the actor was able to portray the full spectra back and forth. Um, I am not comfortable commenting on, like, the cultural aspects of it, though. Yeah, what about I you, think, Amelia? I think, I think when it comes down to it, especially when you're doing a comedy, a lot of Comedy is exaggeration, right? And when it comes to exaggeration, you're obviously going to play off of stereotypes because that is essentially what I think a lot of stereotypes are, whether they're wrong or right. Like, they're just kind of an exaggeration of people's beliefs about, like, how certain people act or, like, what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, not saying that's right or whether it's right or wrong, but I think a lot of comedy is based off of that exaggeration, right? Um and I think that there's no easier way to convey convey a message of duality and, like, that kind of stuff to an audience um, without that exaggeration. Because you see kind of, like, the two extremes. Like, if it's a guy that's already, like, mildly, like, giving off bisexual energy or something and then all of a sudden he's, like, sleeping with a dude or, like, interested in a man or whatever, like... That's not that's not going to grasp people as much, right? As, like, super straight, going to super gay, going back again. Well, it's interesting, because, like, when he goes back again, he is less super straight, you know? We don't get right. as much in those concluding uh, moments in the montage, but he is portraying a more nuanced heterosexuality than the initial... American context, quote unquote, super straight that he was. Yeah. It's almost like being gay helped him be more comfortable in his own masculinity. Um, exactly. <laughs> we also have a really great dynamic because technically there's two plots to this movie, right? And, but both of them are kind of the same. 
when you get down to like theming because we have the main plot or like the main focus which is Remington who is cursed to be gay and trying to break that curse so he can be with the vanilla ice cream that he loves and then we also have uh, a, a gay serial killer a la Jeffrey Dahmer except hotter that uh, <laughs> that uh uh, basically, he is also trying to get away from or basically suppressing his original identity intentionally or not. And in the end, kind of goes back to his original identity. But the serial killer is actually gay, whereas Remington is straight. And the serial killer is trying to be straight by killing off all the other gay people kind of in a way to suppress his own identity, whereas Remington is ready back to his straight quote-unquote identity. I I felt like that made the message of the movie essentially that, like, it doesn't matter, like, whether you're gay or straight, but, like, no amount of anything is going to change that. And I thought, like, kind of a small moment in the movie that displayed that, but, like, really got that message across to me personally. And, again, I could be completely mixing, missing, like, whatever, but, like... um was when Remington initially goes to the house of the person that cursed them, right? Um, and Remington is like, you put a curse on me. You turned me gay. And they just start laughing, <laughs> right? And then eventually, mm-hmm. like, it's like, oh, we're going to reverse the curse, whatever. But I thought that that moment was kind of intentional because it's like, I didn't put a curse on you to turn you gay. Like, I I was probably just saying shit. Like, buddy, if you're, like, interested in a guy, like, you're probably not fully straight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. No, I felt that, too. Like, that, that first initial interaction was a... Very much I felt the... Dude, like, if you're into dudes... You're not fully straight. And then they went into the plot of the movie afterwards. Right. Yeah. It was like a little jab at society, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only thing that I would say, that I would argue kind of goes against that reading, which I'm mostly in agreement with, because I think, I, I think, um, you could read this as, in one way, as, like, you can cure gay. Like, gay is a curse, and it can be cured. But with the addition of the additional plot you can read at that as like you can't change who you are no matter how hard you try the only thing that goes against that is the father who chooses to be gay to save his son from a life of of like as i think they put it as like unhappiness I also, like, I don't know if I see the curse thing so much as it's uh, it's something that can be fixed. Um, and again, I don't have any culture. Like, I, I don't know, like, how it is growing up Catholic in the Philippines, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I know from my own perspective, having grown up Catholic in a more conservative culture, like, I could understand... And I want to, like, with a caveat, like, I never personally felt this way, but I can understand how people might feel that being queer is kind of like a curse or, like, 
a burden or something that they wish that they could fix. Um, especially when they're, like, discovering that sexuality and society is, like, pushing back against them, pushing back against them, like, telling them to suppress it and telling them, like, that they don't need to be this way. Or if they are gay, like, to tone down, like, their true selves so that they're not, like, really making a spectacle of it or, like, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was just kind of more my read on it. But, like, again, I don't, I don't know if that's, like, accurate. <laughs> but, Yeah. Yeah, that was just my read on it, but I can see y'all's point. Um, not that either one of like our readings is wrong, because I don't yeah. think this... No offense to this movie, but I don't think this was like the most detailed and thought-out narrative <laughs> that we've watched. It was kind of goofy and like off the wall. Oh, I do yeah. like the goofiness, though. Like, I what really the, like, my mom was just randomly doing stuff all the time. Like, <laughs> oh, this place is so empty, you could skate here. And she just shows up in roller skate, rollerblades, like... Yes, and up? then later, like, when she's rollerblading down the street, and it's like, oh, she is finally released from her morning, and she's enjoying the freedom of rollerblading down the street. <laughs> I really liked, I think it was the first time we saw her when they were driving by, like, the house that they're in, and you just see, like, Mm -hmm. her in the window very creepily. I was like, that's a great moment. (laughs) And it it just kind of, like, wafted, like, across the window. Is that a Yeah, I was like, wait, is there a ghost in that house? (laughs) Is that the zombiting? Yeah. Speaking of the zombiting, though, like uh, for a film that's named after gay zombies, um, I kind of expected them to, you know, at least be in Act Two, uh, but we got them like twenty minutes from the end, which mm-hmm. felt was like kind of like it felt like they were just like thrown in at the end because they liked the t- the term zombitings. Mm-hmm. I liked the way the boy servant to the curse maker raised the zombadings but then after that it was like yeah they're just like there and a few funny moments but that's it but they raised the stakes and they made um what was uh, Suarez like the hats that they made at the end. Oh yeah, they made the hats for the company at the end. I forget what hats they were making too. Zomb zomberos. Zomberos, yeah, that's it. Um, I think I actually think the post or like the the ending like scenes were probably my favorite part in this movie though, um, especially sort of like for lack of a better term, like, the breaking of the curse with, like, the little child. Like, because uh, Remington at the beginning, you know, is going around calling everyone homo, and that's why he got cursed. And at the end, we mm-hmm. get a little kid calling someone a homo and then saying, you know, they're beautiful, which is kind of, like, I took it as sort of, like, the each generation is kind of getting more and more accepted, uh, is having more and more acceptance, 
towards yeah i took it that way too that's why i came away at the end of the film like it's cute because like the little kid was just like the gay person is beautiful and i loved that yeah Yeah, also um uh, selfishly i I like the idea of his parents both finding another person hot and probably you know going for it I think that's that felt it. so polyamorous. I'm just like, this is the poly representation I want to see in movies. Because <laughs> I have had that moment with my partners where we're just sitting together, watching somebody across the way, like looking at each other like they're hot. Right. And they're like, yeah, they're hot. Like that was so relatable. We'll probably have one that, because I just have like a stack of movies I haven't watched yet. And it's probably in there. But I just want, I want a movie about like a poly couple, you know, just kind of like going for it. Um, And not one that's like a unicorn hunter looking for their third. Like, fuck that shit. This was titled Zombadings 1 because they were kind of sure this was going to be a series, and they actually were in production of, or at least pre-production of Zombadings 2 before it probably got shut down. Because um, I haven't, I couldn't find anything else about it since, like, 2013. Um, how do you think that a series named after gay zombies that brought in zombies the last 20 minutes could better incorporate it if the series had continued? See, this is where I feel like I don't know the cultural context of the Philippines beyond what I've heard about the horrors of Duterte to be able to answer that question. I mean, not from, like, a a cultural perspective, though, but just, like, from, like, a film perspective or a story perspective. Um, I think they could have incorporated the zombie part a little bit earlier, right? Like, maybe part of the gay ray (laughs) is that it the gaydar oh my god yeah but like maybe part of it is that like it not only like i guess turns you into a drag queen i wasn't sure if they were but anyways, uh, yeah, it also like the... turns you into a zombie, like automatically. Like there's not like the curse aspect. Like you just it turns you into a zombie. So then, like from the jump, you have like these gay zombies that are yeah. just yeah. Ooh, that would have been really cool. Where like it turns them into like this drag queen stereotype and they get buried and all of that and a number of hours or days whatever later or maybe at the next full moon anyone killed by the gaydar rises as a zombading that would have been a lot more fun than what happened when i first watched this movie i actually thought there's a scene where he's like the serial killer i don't care about his name, um, is, like, <laughs> fidgeting and, like, futzing with uh, the gaydar, like, trying, like, he's messing with the uh, uh, with the circuit board and everything. And I thought that was, like, going to be, like, the point where, like, the zombies started. Because, like, if he's changing something about the gaydar, 
then maybe it's something that goes wrong and makes instead of killing them turns them into zombies and he just can't and it just like goes crazy and he can't stop it besides remington and some of the characters who are closeted i don't know why i said like that are closeted um it does feel like there's less of a representation when it comes to queer individuals at least Mm -hmm. at least for like the people who died um yeah i just kind of wanted to point that out on the opposite side and a complete tone shift again i do have to ask this because i'm legally obligated from the notes um jigs should he have fucked remington pokemon go for it i don't know i feel like if you know that like things are gonna get messed up if you sleep with someone and you choose not to sleep with them based on that that's probably a good thing yeah i don't know i so wanted them to get together though even if they regretted it later yeah people are allowed to make mistakes right to see them together (laughs) yeah (laughs) Also, when does this is like a nitpick? But it's like, when does Jigs have time? <laughs> so, uh, it se- it kind of feels like, and there's no extras on the DVD, so I don't like have any behind the scenes uh, featurettes or anything to like go off of. But it feels from watching this movie like it was a really good time on set. Like everyone had like a good experience and mm-hmm. got along great, which is kind of a um not always the case some productions can be a nightmare and some of them are on elm street Um, (laughs) how do you feel that sort of what i take as like sort of like a good time on set or um infer as that to enhancing sort of the goofiness and the feel of this movie. I thought it really enhanced it. Um, I could tell. I, I agree with you. I could tell like everyone was having a great time on set and nobody was taking themselves too seriously. Um, it felt like a very, mm-hmm. very goofy and like kind of just off the wall. Movie. Yeah, it definitely felt like the actors and the production behind the scenes was just enjoying themselves. And that came through. That's one of the things I enjoyed about the movie. Yeah. It's it's because there are a lot of productions, even by directors that I like, where like it's just like people had a really horrible time on set, whether it was like because of the production or just because of getting along with people or because the director is being an asshole. And like you can really tell in movies where everyone had a blast, even if it's not like the greatest film of all time. Right. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. that because like, I think you should strive for that atmosphere on sets a lot. Mm-hmm. Because I agree. Like, you don't want Especially somebody to Especially for the tone of this movie. Like, that was the correct atmosphere for, like, what they were going for with the comedy horror. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I say it like that. I haven't taken my pills yet. <laughs> Um, it's past my pill time. Take I'm sorry. <laughs> it's past my. I'll fall asleep. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry if like I've said things that are weird, uh, but 
PSA to our <laughs> listeners, take your medicine. <laughs> All right. I think we've talked about this movie for a good while. So let's sum up everything uh, like showing someone is gay by having them wear more makeup than the girls. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right is this movie surprisingly zom good or predicted or predictably zom bad was that for me or for amelia that's for you <laughs> sorry uh, you can cut that question out um i while i find the movie cute I can't recommend it. Like, I feel bad because I do not understand the Filipino context of this. But me personally, I'm not going to go back to it. Amelia! Uh, did this movie make you to want to participate in state-sanctioned orgies or realize that the orgy you're participating in is sponsored by the state? You should see my face right now. <laughs> um, I the orgy. <laughs> um, but no, I mean i I liked this movie. I thought it was goofy. I it made me want to just kind of like investigate more about like just Filipino film in general, um, and. You know, kind of get to know it better. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Well, I'd luckily, say at least give it one watch. <laughs> luckily for you, we're going to be watching some more Filipino films in the future. Oh, fun. Um, anyway, that's what we think. If you've seen this movie, we're going to watch it later. We love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GayGapod. That's G-A-Y-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest movies we watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions. We can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Nato Kitch, and whether you're a zombie or a zom don't, we want to wish you a happy and healthy October. Spoopy. Spoopy. Bye.